Hey guys, it's Jamie Finch-Penninger here. Unfortunately, we had some technical issues on the record here, and I had to do a fair bit of editing, so you'll notice at some stages that it jumps around a bit, but don't let that put you off, and enjoy listening. Hello and welcome to the Breakdown Podcast, and I am lucky to be here with the terrible duo of Beck Wysak and Ben Hill. I don't know, are you guys considered the power couple of the NRS? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure either. <laughs> Trying to think of other couples out there. I will claim it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I suppose Mel, Mel Hoskins and uh, Rowan Dennis have, have got a bit more um, star power. Uh, at this stage of your careers, I mean... Um, <laughs> I think I'll give Rowan... Slight upper hand at this stage. <laughs> oh well, it's, it's good to have you both here, and uh, we are talking National Capital Tour, which you both competed in and both um, did very well. Uh, you both got a write-up actually in my race report. I, I I just did a skim of it, and I realised that I both I included both of your names in there. So you, you get a bit of press from me now and then, and and it's good to <laughs> it's good to see that yeah that, that you're animating the racing in that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I saw I saw I got a bit of a shout out, which was nice because it was an alright weekend, and I tried to shake things up a little bit. So it was good that that was acknowledged. <laughs> ben only sees it because I read all the tweets and uh, read him the link earlier. So yeah, it was a great story. I think you raised some um, very important points uh, throughout, and no doubt we'll have a, a an in depth discussion of those a little later on. We'll get into the rest of the podcast, which is about you know promoting the racing and promoting you guys. So we shall dive into the National Capital Tour now. And we shall dive straight into the National Capital Tour. And it was stage one, which is a 7.2 kilometer time trail slash prologue over a course around Gugong, which um, I've, been, I've been informed by Becky's in New South Wales. So... It was it was a very it's a hilly and quite technical course with that descent there as well. I mean, it's it's a very interesting stage to go out and watch if you happen to be lucky enough to climb into a team car because you see you trail behind the riders going at anywhere between eighty and one hundred kilometers an hour down that descent, and then you see them going about you know ten to fifteen up the climb there. So it's it, it's a very interesting dichotomy between the two. What what was your impression of the of the stage, guys? Yeah, it's an incredibly challenging course. I think the riders that did it last year probably had an advantage. Uh, the course differed slightly. Uh, it was a different uh, start and finish. But, you know, us being Canberra riders, we were able to go out and do some course recon as well. And, and Ben and I went out the week before the event and broke the stage and, and the course down into sections. So it was the initial flatter section, the descent, um, and then obviously the climbs um, and then the flat finish. So we we're able to, yeah, pick the lines, work out how we're going to ride obviously being able to sit on the top tube was an advantage too i quite didn't have that that nerve and a lot of the the boys did in terms of equipment selection as well i, I chose to run did uh, 35 mil carbon race wheels um and some riders elected to go with the disc so it was also interesting to see the the terrain and the conditions um out there and the wind and to see what equipment choice people made yeah, I spoke to Jake Kaufman afterwards, and he said that the riders of the disc were hitting 100 k's ish on that on that descent. There, I mean, he didn't want to say that he, he didn't want to look down when he was at the bottom there because it got pretty hairy with the wind coming across right at the bottom of the descent there, and 
and catching catching their disc wheels. So he he kept everything in to, in trying to keep it up. Um, what what was the decision process in going with a disc or not with going with a disc, uh, Ben? I didn't really have much of a choice. I was just I didn't have a disc, but it, I I thought it wouldn't be much of a disadvantage anyway with the with most of the time spent at low speeds, especially coming back up the hill and then all the way to the finish, it was really hard to get up to speed anyway. So I thought it was a 50-50 call whether the time gained with a disc wheel down the hill and then the momentum from that um, would would then backfire in the back end. So I didn't I didn't see it being a too much bigger difference either way. Yeah, okay. And um, maybe break down what sort of... Um... What sort of impact that climb has? Because it was a tough climb. It was about ten percent ish um, up that um, up the second time up that up that climb there, where it's and then you've got to battle over that false flat there as well. So it's it's not an easy climb at all. Yeah, it was. Um, it, it was a very it's a very difficult stage to pace because it's kind of three efforts: the initial effort before the hill, and then the the hill out to the U turn. It was. It was short enough that you could go hard, but you always had in the back of your head that there was that the bigger climb back out. So you did get recovery back down, but you had to keep some in reserve. Um, and then I know I personally went went too hard up that steep hill back. It was yeah, I went out there a few times in recon, but it's it's different on race day, and and you get the pacing right or wrong sometimes. And yeah, it was a hard hill back, and you still had to have some legs over the top into the false flat because if you ran out of legs there, your speed dropped significantly. So you, you had to really keep the momentum going, which was which was difficult to pace. It it was also a headwind up the hill as well, so that added another element. Well, I suppose we will get to the results now. I mean, Beck, you took the win there. Why do you think that it was that it was better suited to you than, you know, than you would think a climber would, um, like a traditional climber would be um, better suited to that sort of course? I think because it is and you can break it down. So it was a matter of just uh, staying aero, picking up as much speed as you could on the way and being a little bit, Lucy mentioned she got the death wobbles on her way down and, and our mechanic actually thought she was going to, to fall on the descent. I know Benji Marshall was the same in the men's mentioned that, um, had some issues on the descent. So it was just being fearless, picking a good line, being aero. And then also on the way back, there's a, a section of road where that you can top, you know, probably about 60 k's an hour, but for 20 seconds there, just not pedaling, trying to use that descent because uh, there wasn't much of a difference if you're pedaling or not, try, trying to save as much energy. And yeah, it was it was probably only a three or four minute effort and just keeping the power high and I think that was pretty much like a pursuit effort for me so you're kind of looking down just making sure that you've got good uh good cadence applying the power and then keeping it over the top when it did flatten out and uh, I saw it drop under under 300 watts a couple of times and I just knew that that wasn't going to be enough so just keeping the power down over the top when it was into a headwind and, and still slightly rising to the finish. Yeah, I was behind um, Ben Marshall on that descent there, and it was absolutely terrifying when he got the death wobbles there. I thought, you know, I thought he was going to go down at about seventy k's an hour and then slide all the way down the hill, which would have been, you know, absolutely terrible. And it turns out his headset was a bit loose, so, you know, <laughs> all the all the best, um, all the best for him. It turned out okay at least. Uh, and then and then they were trying to pass. Um, they were trying to pass an Allen key out the window of the team car. And I was like, no, no, guys, just yeah. stop just stop. I mean, he's not going to win. I mean, just make sure he gets to the finish. Okay. Cause he, he still had to go down the descent once, once more after that. So yeah. So in the end it was, um, 
yourself taking the win there by just two seconds over Lucy Kennedy and then 15 uh, seconds further back was Ruth Corset um, of Rush Women Cycling there. Um, in the men's, it was Joe Cooper, of course, who took the win. Um, he's almost unbeatable over these last two tours, hasn't he? I mean, he's he's taken the last two, well, now three in a row um, with the National Capital Tour, but he, he's been absolutely superb over the time trials and looks incredibly strong. Uh, Jake Kaufman took second there, um, 23 seconds behind Joe Cooper, and Harry Carpenter slipped into third on about equal time with Robert Stannard. I'm just looking at the times here, and he was 16 hundredths of a second off Rob Stannard's time. So it was wow. incredibly close at the top there. So, And and Ben, where did, where did you slid in there? I think you slipped in about 40 seconds down or something like that. Yeah, yeah, maybe even a bit further. But, yeah, Joey's just been on fire. He's... But he's he's always been that caliber of time trialist, and um, he seems to produce a similar gap in every time trial he does. I mean, last year there was a Paddy Bevan here, and he was matching him, um, and they were having their own duel, but they were still that far in front of everyone else. So it's not not a surprise to see him doing the same thing again. Um, and then it's just a battle battle for the podium after that in the time trials, and it was it was pretty close. I think from Kaufman onwards, everyone says just one second time gaps again from there. And yeah, it's good to see Kaufman get second. He's riding really well at the moment. And then a bunch of young guys not far behind that. So Jake spoke after the stage. He said he was he was umming and ahhing whether to go, you know, after the actually go after the stage because he, he thought obviously thought Joker was gonna win, but he also thought that he wasn't quite good enough a climber for the stage. So I mean, again, it, it proves that you know you can make those, you can make the time up on the flat sections if you've if you've got the right setup, the right, the and the right TT mentality. So that was interesting. Um, onto the second stage now, which was the road stage, which took in the the new circuit around the the embassies just there. I mean, I think we can call it the embassy circuit from now on because that's very much what it was. I mean. The houses along the route. There weren't many uh, public road sections. It was just all embassies um, beside the beside the race. Um, I'm suppose you, I suppose you guys didn't get much chance to take in the the sights as you went around the course, though. No, but but we've been around there enough times at a slower pace to to see those sights. So we weren't really we weren't really seeing much new. Um, so we we're more focused focused on the race that was going down. I mean, the course itself wasn't too hard, but it was a fast. It was a fast course, and it lent itself to being controlled. I think was was the reaction from both both of the races. I mean, Lucy Bechtel and Jake Kaufman uh, were the solo escapees in both of the both of the races, and and then both of them were closed down pretty much at the bottom of the of the climb to Black Mountain, which was the feature of the stage and where the race would be decided. So you both know well. I know, Ben, you hold the Strava record there. I'm not sure if that's been updated since the um, race went up at yesterday. Yeah, it, um, Jesse Pinkby actually tied it. So we are, we are equal now, which I think we're both slightly disappointed with. Um, but... It's um you're not you're not the outright winner, but you don't want to go out there and have to beat it again. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was that was it was pretty cool, pretty cool race. It was a it was a negative race because I think Joe had such a big lead and Avani um were obviously just gonna control the race to defend that. Um, good on good on Jake for giving it a crack, but 
uh, he really needed some support to to challenge Avani. And I don't think I think if he did get support, then Avani would have shut it down anyway. So um, it could have it had potential to be a tough circuit, but just with the race situation it was, and a lot of people wanting to wait for the hill, um, it wasn't it wasn't a super hard day until that point. Um, allowing some fresh legs to hit Black Mountain and the Eagle Master Arbor record. <laughs> <laughs> and Jesse Feasenby, who took the win there, he's a, he's a superb athlete, isn't he? I mean, he came over from triathlon. Yeah, yeah, that, that was an unreal ride. I've, um, I've known him a bit and seen him come across. There was always a bit of talk and he showed a bit of promise already um, to be a climber. But um, to, really, to really step it up and, and win uh, a hilltop finish is really come along well so that's that's exciting to see if he can develop even more now because he's already the best i used to train with jesse Feetonby at the trident strathlon club we're both coached by ben gathercole so uh yeah i also know jesse quite well it's pretty exciting to see him make the same transition that i have and yeah obviously he's got the physique to be a, an amazing climber and uh yeah hopefully he continues to experience success in the next uh, couple of Tours, especially down at Tassie, there's some more terrain that'll suit him really well. Yeah, he's, a, he's an Albury race rider, and I know Neil Vanderplug and Tim Guy have got big wraps on him um, going uphill. So it'd be interesting to see what he does in the hilly stages of Tasmania. And uh, second on that stage was Dylan Sunderland, who uh, is doing a great job at, at, um, as, a, as a young rider. And it was a pity he wasn't in, in full health. Um, down at the nationals over of January because he would have done a good job I think on that course there at Ballarat. So hopefully we'll see yeah. him this year doing well. And uh, Robert Stannard was third. I want to have a quick talk about Robert Stannard because he's 18 years old, a New Zealand rider, and he looks like an absolute beast on the bike. I mean, I've found her after the second stage presentation and. He was saying, look at the veins on that guy's legs. It's ridiculous um, for a rider his age. He looks like an absolute beast. Yeah, well, I think to be, to be doing as well as he is at, at 18, um, you have to be developed a little bit quicker than some of the other 18-year-olds. Uh, but still, um, for, for someone that young, he's riding phenomenally well. And to be uh, winning winning bunch sprints and just off the podium in a time trial and third up a hilltop. He can, he can do it all at 18 years old. So um, that's, that's pretty crazy to see. Yeah. And he ended up second overall on the, on the uh, GC as well. So he's, he's clearly one to watch and he's off to world, uh, junior worlds now. So he's one to watch in Doha. So make sure yeah. that any, oh, any New Zealand fans, any fans of cycling then keep an eye on him. Cause he's definitely an eye. He's definitely a name that you want to be noting down at this stage. Yeah, so and on to the women's now, and it was it was a similar situation as we as we played out with um, Lucy Bechtel getting getting away into a solo break, but there was a bit of a complication in the works with that extra lap. From from what I heard from the teams, everyone else that everyone else knew that that they were supposed to be turning off at that stage, but um, the commissaires were saying, "No, no, you got to go around one more time." Um, was that the impression you got in the peloton, Beck? Yeah, absolutely. It was a little bit heartbreaking for our team, especially we'd done a fairly big job trying to just main or control the gap um, between Lucy and, and the bunch. So we were looking after Lucy, our climber. She uh, was second in GC and, and we, we thought she'd be uh, good to win the stage. Turned out she did, but 
we, you know, within the bunch, everyone's like, this is the last lap, is it? And we'd all agreed, yeah, it is. And, and I think there were questions even on the previous lap. Is this the last lap? We said, no, we'll, we'll just see if Lucy turns, then we turn. And then it was definitely the last lap. So we assumed she'd be going straight. And when we saw the two lead motorbikes and then Lucy, everyone kind of was a little bit devo because we realised that we had to go around one more time. Um, and we probably could have gone straight, you know, we, we know the course, we knew the distance, but of course, once they had turned Lucy, uh, you need to do the right thing by the leader and uh, follow follow her around. And uh, yeah, she, she, I think we'd brought the gap down to about 20 or 30 seconds at that point. So it was fairly under control, but yeah, it would have been heartbreaking for her out front and, and then some of the riders too that felt a little bit jibbed with the extra lap. Yeah, well, she said uh, after the stage that she actually slowed down and talked to the um, to the moto scouts at the time. So that might have accompanied that might have accounted for maybe ten or so seconds because she she had a gap of about forty seconds going into that, and then by the end it was twenty two, I think. So mm -hmm. it it would have affected her. I mean, probably the most because um, she was out there by herself racing against a peloton. Yeah, you got into the that final climb there all together and it was it was a bunch of three who went up the road there. It was Ruth Corset who attacked first. And then from the sound of things, uh, Leeson Hawkins took over to try and drive up that GC because she didn't do a particularly good time trial and she's a bit and at that stage, you know, the NRS series overall was a bit in threat because um she hadn't actually secured that many points at that stage. So she did need to move up on G C. Yeah, I think uh, Ruth was delivered into the bottom of the climb and, and she just went straight straight away. I was hoping that they might actually, the, the steeper bottom portion of the climb, keep it controlled so that I might have a chance to get up. But uh, yeah, she lit it up straight away and only a couple of girls were able to respond and go with her. And they're the, the three informed climbers, Ruth, Listen and Lucy. Um, I think, yeah, I could kind of see it play out because it was not too far in front of me initially. I think they're about, I was about 10th wheel, but yeah, girls, no one else stood a chance and uh, everyone was just climbing up in ones and twos. And uh, yeah, Lucy said that Listen kind of took over the pacemaking in the middle, which um, she probably would have been better off just sitting on and uh, using Ruth and, uh, and Lucy. Uh, uh, she's probably she's trying to go for the win she's trying that her own tactics and uh in the end lucy we did some course recon the day before and she'd picked exactly where she wanted to attend and she was able to climb away get the time gap and get the time bonus on the stage yeah it was, it was interesting leeson said afterward leeson hawking said afterwards that it it wasn't so much going for the win on the stage she knew she was going to lose the stage if she went to the front it was more that she needed to make up some positions on gc um her more points for the overall nrs series so which she eventually did win obviously and it would have made her position more vulnerable going into those final two stages if she had been sitting say fifth or sixth on gc rather than third so uh, i think i think that was a good tactic for holden in the end but obviously it counted her out for the stage so in the end it was uh lucy who attacked and got the win by five seconds over ruth corset with leeson hawkins finish finishing 23 seconds down and i think you slotted into seventh there back in the end yeah i did i was able to to move up a few places i think also had um gc uh ambition still in mind i was in the yellow jersey so you want to do the jersey or honour the jersey in that situation and not kind of just sit up and, and save your legs for the Sunday. So I thought uh, 
you know, our team, we'd like to uh, to win the team's classification at each tour and then the overall NRS teams as well. So you're thinking as well, being the top three riders up the climb and uh, trying to minimise the time gap to the leaders. And I think I lost a minute 20 in the end, which I was pretty proud about because, yeah, I'm definitely not a climber, but I was just able to, yeah, knuckle down. I think I'd read what Joe Cooper had mentioned in the, his uh in his report the previous day that he's just said, when you're hurting, you just have to keep poking the bear. And, and I think that resonated with all of the riders in our team. We loved that quote from him. And yeah, just, it was for him an eight minute climb. For me, it was a 10 minute climb. So you just have to hurt for those amount of minutes. And, and you know, at the top you get a rest. And uh, yeah, it, it was actually a really fun climb. We had a lot of local support out on, on Black Mountain. It's not a, a mountain that, or a climb that I go out to very often because it is, <laughs> far too steep for me but yeah definitely had a lot of fun on that stage probably my favorite quote one that you mentioned there by joe cooper because he went inside the mentality that you need to that you need to adopt to be successful on those sort of efforts and it was really eye-opening for me who's you know never hurt myself too much physically in my life um i know i know ben i mean how many times have you been in that, in that position where you know you're just inflicting pain on yourself lots lots of times uh, the Tour of Tassie springs to mind instantly when I was when I was trying to defend my yellow jersey last year, and and the boys were all around me and I was just um, going up some of those climbs, getting drops and just yeah trying to hurt hurt for myself and the team um, to stay in the race. We'll move to the men's stage three now, and it was a very fast course around Canberra. There, I mean. Uh, it was an average of 50 kilometres an hour, according to the organisers. And and from the sound of things, it was incredibly fast. Um, but you managed to get yourself off the front there at some uh, two two different stages, I think, Ben. Um, it was it was a really fast course. And um, sitting in the bunch was super easy because it was just rolling, rolling fast. And it was um, a lot of time, 50 plus k an hour. And it was quite difficult for anything to go. So there was one section of the course just after the sprint point where there was a couple of uphill drags. And I tried I tried a couple of times up there um, to get, to make a move because I saw that as really the only point on the course where you could. Um, but Avani was pretty keen to chase. Um, and when, when I did establish a move, um, there was it was missing missing not only Varney but a few of the other big teams as well and there was five of us going away but it was just just too fast and too controlled to really try anything. So I decided to tuck in and and wait for the last minute last minute dash up the hill coming into into the crit track. I hit out there and got a bit of a gap coming onto the onto the crit track but um Giacoppo came with me and there was a bit of hesitation and and we neither of us wanted to take the other one to the line. Um, and the bunch just swarmed on us super quick. So that didn't really work out either. But thought I'd give it a nudge. Yeah, there was a bit of conversation afterwards because uh, I was talking to Pat Shaw and he, he was telling um, AJ after the stage that he should have gone for it because he reckoned he had you covered in a sprint. And to be honest, um, Anthony Giacoppo is really rapid in the sprint. So you'd, you'd have been hard-pressed to keep up with him and probably him out yeah yeah if i i attacked up the hill going onto the course and he just followed me the whole way till 
600 to go. And then I flicked him through and he, he came through. But um, I knew if I was to tow him all the way, I would have zero chance. So my only chance would be for him to do all the turn from there. And um, he he didn't really commit. So so we got caught. Um, but yeah, if he, he could have ridden it from there and still probably beat me in the sprint. So that was maybe his loss, but it would have, it would have at least, I thought home ground advantage, maybe if he goes from 600, um, I might be able to jump him in the last corner and, and catch him by surprise. But I, I took the risk and, and um, he took the risk too and ended up, well, he had teammates back there too. So he had backup options unlike myself. Yeah, it didn't, didn't work out for either of us. Yeah, you're very much your own team there in that race. Um, in the end, it was was um, Stu Shaw, the the veteran, um, coming back from that retirement. That was awesome to see. Yeah, it's great to see. Yeah, yeah, well, he's got a bit of local knowledge, doesn't he? So he knows he knows where to go on that on that sprint, and um, he won from uh, Pat Shaw. Um, no relation, obviously. And uh, Campbell Stewart was third, the young New Zealand rider, and he would come in to play in the Criterium as well. Um, we'll move to the women now, and and uh, Beck. It was it was another fast stage out there on the course, and to be honest, um, it would give him very little advantage advantage there. I mean, I think it was you had the you had the break within sight the entire time um, when they did jump away. Yeah, absolutely. I think the High Five Dream Team did a really brilliant job of controlling the race, uh, the course, nice. Um, and really fast surface. So it just lent itself to, to being a fast race. It, it um, wasn't necessarily um, hard, but in terms of a lot of girls did try to attack, try and get off the front, but they probably got no more than a couple hundred metres. They were always in sight and uh, yeah, just left to dangle out the front a little bit. Uh, there are a couple of crashes in the stage. So I think just because uh, it was so fast and, and people and, and really well, it was bunched. Um, they were behind me, so I didn't see them, which was quite lucky. Um, and then it did get wet towards the end of the stage. So I think everyone's fairly anxious. Um, everyone had really good legs because the course wasn't particularly challenging. So um, in that situation, when everyone is still there, it does make it, um, yeah, a little bit more difficult to negotiate. But yeah, we did a, a really great job in the finish as well. Um, both had good legs now on the road we were doing an equal amount of work chasing down the moves and um controlling the race so it was brilliant to be able to see her rewarded for all the work that she puts in throughout the year she buries herself um for each of her teammates and, and we've all experienced success at some point throughout the season so uh yeah it was really exciting to to go one two behind kendall yeah and kendall mentioned uh, one point where she uh, you came up to her and said, okay, we're riding for you this stage. And that clearly meant a lot to her at, at the time because it was one of the few times that she smiled during the interview, which she, and she, and she's normally quite uh, blunt. So, um, Yeah, being at home, um, I think on, on the Sunday stage in the, the two times that I've done the National Capital Tour, uh, both last year and then three years ago, I've won both stages on the Sunday. So, yeah, it's, they're definitely courses that suit me well, being at home, um, yeah, I love racing at home. I love winning at home. But as I said, it was really, um, it was, yeah, a, a an amazing team effort throughout the whole weekend. Lucy had her stage win. I'd already had a stage win. And uh, yeah, Kendall's always that rider that will give everything just um, 
absolutely burying herself for the team and for her teammates. So out on the road when we kind of both had the question, who are we sprinting for? And I said, at, at, towards the end of the stage, it's, it's your turn, Kenny. So, uh, yeah, she, she uh, did a brilliant job and I knew that uh, I just had to kind of follow her wheel. I lost it a little bit in, through the, uh, the technical section going into this, the finish, but was able to sprint into second and uh, she had a comfortable win there. So, um, yeah, it was fantastic to see. Yeah, and it was Michaela Harvey from Mike Greer Homes coming in third there. And onto the fourth stage, which was the Criterium stage, and um, very much an add-on, I think, uh, in, in terms of in terms of the actual race. It wasn't it wasn't crucial for the GC. I think we I think we all knew who was um, going to win there, barring misadventure. And we did actually see a bit of misadventure with uh, Joe Cooper going down in that first race there. And I think the of uh, moving around an action before that, but I think after that the bunch quietened down a bit uh, once they realised that the yellow jersey had hit the floor. Um, I don't know was that the feeling within the peloton, Ben? Yeah, when when the crash happened and the the tour leader went down, it was it was a bit of a neutral. Like obviously he jumped back in next lap, but I think it could, took a took a couple of laps. The bunch just went rode steady um, just to make sure he was all right, just just out of respect and. To be honest, the the race was pretty controlled anyway, so there wasn't really a lot of point at that time attacking and and not making any friends um, to to disrupt the race because it wasn't it wasn't really worth it anyway. So everyone was really happy just to see him get back in and and then continue racing. Yeah, and you, yourself, you tried a number of attacks up the back end of the course there. I mean, every time that. Uh, on that little uphill stretch to the second from last corner, you, you'd seem to be trying to attack. Yeah, I I felt like I was I was taking that corner quite well, and it was a, a easy opportunity for me to get a gap. And I um I tried a lot early, um, but Avani was chasing, and then um N Swiss started chase started chasing as well, and then State of Matter even started riding. So after probably three of the strongest teams in the race started controlling the race and not letting moves go. Um, I decided I wasn't going to get a lot of help and decided to tuck in, tuck in from there. Um, but there, there were some other people that, that gave it a crack towards the end and, and we, we reanimated the race towards the end. Um, thought we'd give it another go. Yeah, I think he got in a break with uh, Reen Scherhuis. I can't say his name. He's Dutch, so, you know, it's impossible. Yeah. And um, there was another rider in there whose name temporarily escapes me. And you guys, you know, pushed it out a little bit. But, yeah, um, I, saw, I, I saw those two had a bit of a gap. Um, so um, I, was, I wasn't enjoying life in the bunch just because it was so wet and I, did, I couldn't decide what was worse with glasses on and glasses off because I couldn't see either way. Um, so I was, a bit, I was a bit nervous with the idea of mixing it up for a bunch sprint. Um, so instead of, instead of waiting for the bunch sprint, I thought I might jump across to those two and, and try one last dig. Um, unfortunately we got caught two to go, which is probably inevitable with the big strong teams chasing. Um, but I think it was strung out at the time I got caught two to go and I was able to slot back in and then, and then retry for the sprint. Yeah, well, and you did okay there. You came fourth overall. Um, yeah. in the end it was, yeah, the young New Zealander Campbell Stewart. Um, going very quickly around that circuit. He looks like a top sprinter in the making. Well, and uh, 
coming into that corner, coming up the hill, he uh, he hit it. And I was in, I, I knew that was the time to go. And I went on the other side around, uh, N-Swiss was leading out Stu at the time. And we went both sides, but I ran out of legs quite quickly, um, paid for all those attacks. And he got the gap fast and Jesse was a bit slow uh, onto the wheel. And I'm not sure what's happening behind that. But we we sort of rode around from there and it's with all the corners and in the wet, it's quite difficult to make up ground from from there. And so you, it pays it pays to do a long sprint and it really worked out for him winning by about five bike lengths in the end. Yeah, he's quite rapid, isn't he? And uh, so it was, yeah, Jesse Kerrison in second there and Sean Whitfield, the local guy in third. Um, another podium for Oliver's Real Foods Racing. They're, they're doing well, picking up podiums left right and center these days and uh yeah yourself and fourth yeah it's great to see shauno um getting oh, i was a bit annoyed to be rolled just just by by the finish line by someone but seeing shauno get get over me i'm not too disappointed because yeah he's he's a great mate of mine and it's good to see him get onto another nrs podium because that was that's of course that really suits him he's written it a million times and in the way it suits him even better because his bike skills are amazing. So it was no surprise really to see him um, in a big fast finish come around me at the end. Okay. And uh, onto the women. And it was, who was it? Who won that one? Um, <laughs> let me think. Okay. Oh yeah, it was Beck. Uh, Beck won that one. And uh, it was an amazing, it was an amazing race. And uh, to be honest, it's one of my favorite moments of the, of the weekend because the way the way that final few laps played out, um, for for those of you who weren't following on Twitter, it was a three rider break up the road. Um, it was Riley McMullen, Louisa Lobiggs, and Grace Anderson who were at the front. It didn't look like the peloton were too interested in in chasing it down because it looked quite disorganised behind the main rider who was chasing was Kate Perry, um, but it didn't look like the rest the rest of the peloton was you know too organised. Was that the impression you had back in the peloton, Beck? Definitely some nervous moments in uh, back in the bunch when I, I didn't actually think that we'd catch. Uh, it wasn't a coordinated chase. Um, a couple of teams would, would put one rider on the front at various times. Specialised were obviously working for Sophie McKay being the national criterium champion, but the, the conditions were horrendous. I, I don't actually think I've ridden my bike uh, in conditions that bad before. Maybe one time we trained like that in the... Uh, in uh, Holland and it was a torrential downpour but there was so much water on the course um there were some nervous uh girls in the bunch and I just had to yeah just stayed low kind of sucked it up and a lot of the time just channeled my inner Ben Hill kind of got aggressive and <laughs> just followed the right uh wheels I, I tried a couple of attacks of my own um just to get some impetus in uh in the bunch either to chase um, a couple of times I got away um, had a small gap but but Ruth uh, was on my wheel or not far behind and of course we needed to keep the, the race controlled as well so that Ruth didn't get any time advantage on Lucy because she was only 20 seconds um, clear on the overall GC so we had dual focus in the stage and once the break lost one rider I thought maybe we'd have the catch but I think uh the break was probably stronger just being a duo um, and with a couple laps to go, I think three laps to go, I had my, my another dig, uh, didn't quite make up much ground and, and uh, Lucy Yellow Jersey actually came to the front and she started driving it and she's yeah, a phenomenal rider, obviously incredibly strong and I thought 
once she'd got on the front, Kendall in the meantime had come up and said, we're riding for you. And I thought, well, that's great because we're riding for third. Uh, the brakes up the road and they're probably going to get the win. But yeah, Lucy was incredible. She uh, brought the, the gap down to a jumpable distance and I had another dig with a lap to go. I thought, I'm not going to die wondering. So yeah, I was able to get the gap on the, bu the bunch at that point and I know the course fairly well. I haven't ridden it uh, a great deal in the last couple of years because I've been based in Adelaide with the track program but yeah I've been riding for, for five years now and, and doing a lot of sessions and uh, racing on that circuit so I, I knew exactly where I could apply my power and uh, yeah I was able to catch the bunch just going into collar uh, sorry the break just going into collarbone corner went around Louisa first and uh, then uh, yeah the New Zealand rider she uh, almost closed the, the right hand down uh, could have put me uh, in the gutter but I was able to get around and at that point I there was some hesitation I wasn't sure whether to go again and uh, didn't want to take any risks again and, and just went for it um, spring to the finish and yeah it's an incredible feeling to to throw the hands in the air and, and win again at home yeah it seems very much if you come in that that course um, on that course if you come in that final corner first with a bit of a bit of speed behind you and you can put it down in a sprint that it's very hard to very hard to beat you and you threw the, you threw the hands in the air from you know a little way out and situation where it's a win by a few lengths yeah it's definitely a course that uh, lends itself to a, a long sprint as ben mentioned earlier um i think i've been uh in both situations where you've been behind or been in front and um yeah you definitely have to have a quick punchy powerful sprint on you if you're going to come over another artist so uh yeah it was nice i had a bit of breathing space there and was definitely able to enjoy the win and it was michaela harvey behind you again she's she's shaping into a nice little sprinter isn't she she's doing well for mike greer homes and uh riley mcmullen who was a survivor from the break and managed to pick up third there yeah so moving on to the overall now i mean i thought that lucy Lucy Kennedy was going to win the race. It's been it's been a, a real battle between the the climbers over the last season. I mean, we've seen Kate Perry get up get up at some stages. We've seen Lucy being the strongest. Others, Ruth Corsett's obviously been strong, and Leeson Hawkins. And it's it's always been a battle between those four, probably for the real climbing courses in the NRS. And it, it's see how it's gone back and forward between them, and. I think Lucy Kennedy in the end took a deserved win, um, winning from Ruth Corsett there by 19 seconds, and Leeson Hawkins was in third. Team perspective, you must have been incredibly happy to see Lucy get up, Beck. Oh, absolutely. She, uh, yeah, she of course after uh, the battle on the border had broken her collarbone, so she's had a, a tough season, and to, to we had the, the large gap in the season, which allowed her to to do the recovery and come back and rebuild, and has had a very strong uh, second half of the season. So brilliant to see. She hasn't been cycling for particularly long. A runner, she she ran in the states uh, at college level, so uh, very accomplished there. And and she's absolutely um, yeah thriving and, and loving the cycling, and definitely uh a valuable team member to have and really great when we can have, you know, dual ambitions within a tour and within a season to see, I think we've had five different stage winners across the season. So yeah, that's a, it's also great to see. Eason Hawkins wrapped up the overall NRS uh, series and it's great to see new riders on the scene. I always love that. And in particular, 
uh, riders with different stories. So not the traditional uh, from their you know youth and work their way up through the um, AIS system or whatever the system may be, but riders with different story like yourself, Beck, um, Lisa Hawkins in particular, she came, she started racing at 36 and uh, now at 37 in her debut season in the NRS is winning the whole thing. I mean, and it's a, it's a very different um, process to interviewing her than any other rider. She's very self-deprecating. She doesn't like being interviewed and she's always saying, Oh, can you, can you, can you edit out um, anything that sounds stupid or something like that? And, and I, I just love it. She, it's so much personality that's different from the rest of the writers in the sport. I think, yeah, she, she's also acknowledged that she still has a lot to learn. I think when she came down uh, at Amy's criterium, uh, she didn't realize she could take a lap out and uh, in the crit, she had a, a mechanical, her chain came off the jockey wheel. And once again, I mean, situations like that, sometimes the commissaires don't allow it if your chain comes off. I'm not sure exactly the situation there, but she probably was entitled to a lap out. So she's still learning in the sport and, and to have had so much success in her first year in the NRS is, is just incredible. And as you said, she follows the story of many other really strong uh, riders uh, in the peloton, people like Flick Wardlaw, who won the National Time Trial Championships. Um, we've all lived our life in reverse. We've gone to, to study, been in a career, and then uh, been able to find this amazing sport that everyone's kind of fallen in love with. And uh, yeah, fantastic to see uh, that, that the age is definitely no barrier to success and um, enjoyment in, the, in this sport. We haven't actually covered the final results from the, from the men's um, Nat Capital yet, so I'll go through that quickly. I've forgotten gotten to do it um joe cooper ended up with a win from robert stannard and dylan sunderland there and you know all all quality riders of course and with that joe cooper went to his uh third win which is quite an achievement i mean i don't think it's joe joe wasn't sure whether it's been done in recent history and i wasn't either i mean i haven't been covering the nrs for that long so i wasn't in it hasn't been done in my time. It's just a testament to what a strong rider he is. I mean, he can he can get, win over the climbs, win over the time trial, and you know just maintain his position the stages in between. And I mean, obviously having a team like Avanti behind you helps that a lot. But you've got to get that advantage in the first place. Anyway, it was um, and Joe Cooper actually took over the the series overall lead from Pat Shaw, who's unavailable for this podcast, but he sends his best, and he he's just behind uh, Joe Cooper at the moment. Uh, Joe's on 48 points and Pat's on 44. Battle between those two for the series win at the moment. Um, I'm not sure how much of a battle it will be given they're on the same team, but lead over Sam Crowe, who's also from Avanti Isoway Sports. So mm. it's it's a bit of an anticlimax in terms of the battle for the series there. And no surprise that um, Avanti are also on top of the team standings with 143 points. Um, and then it's all the way back to Mobius on 42 points. So it's quite a, a substantial gap between Avanti and the other teams at the moment. Um, how much does that play into what you're thinking about doing during the race, Ben? I mean, well, when you make when you're making a when you're making a break, you want to see an Avanti rider with you so that you've got a chance of going to the finish. That I've done in recent years has has been what's Avani's plan, right? And then you base your race around that because they're so dominant um, with their team, and they're generally winning the tours. So they're if they're you got to decide what their plan is, and then 
see how you can manipulate that to work for yourself. Um, because if it doesn't, if it doesn't work for them, it's probably not going to work. You got to look at, yeah, look at their plan. I know last year, especially, um, uh, racing them in a close battle for teams classification that impacted the racing heavily. I think this year with the team's classification pretty much sewn up, it's just, uh, the stages and GC battle that everyone's looking at and in terms of the stages, there's a lot of teams challenging them. Um, everyone's a lot of teams are getting wins, which is good to see. But in terms of the GC, uh, they look unbeatable at the moment. Yeah, I spoke to Andrew Christie Johnson, and he said that there are plenty of good riders out there, and he he could make about two or three other really good teams to challenge to challenge Avanti. But it's a matter of getting them all on the on the on the same team and being able to ride it as a team, which I think is separating Avanti from the other guys at the moment. And we've seen, you know, in the time trials, in the climbs, it's not Avanti one, two, three, four on those stages. It's the 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 stages which are where they can really put their power down as a team that makes the difference there. Okay, I think that's the final word on the on the national catapult tour, and we'll be back with um with what's been catching our eyes overseas. Okay, and we are back um, talking overseas rides, which have caught our eye at the moment. Um, I, d- I do want to bring up Madeleine Fasnack, who recently won uh, two of the Kamesses over in, in Belgium there, and she looks incredibly well well drilled. And going into the Worlds at Doha, she should be... I mean, it's hard to say, you know, going up against juniors who you've never heard of, your form untested against them, but she is an incredibly good rider. I mean, I know you've raced against her back and she looks um, very strong so far. Yeah, it's fantastic to see her have some success so early on in their campaign in Belgium. They're on a training camp for the last couple of weeks before they head over to the Worlds um, and Donna Ray's over there with the, with the girls. Um, She's yeah, had two solo wins, uh, so obviously it shows her her time trial strength there. Um, and Jamie Gunning and, and Chloe Moran have also, I think Chloe ran a, a second, perhaps won the bunch sprint in their last race in Belgium. So yeah, they've definitely got a strong team. As you said, it's a bit of an unknown. The girls from Australia, they go overseas and, and they've never, they haven't done a lot of racing in this under 19 uh, category. So they may not know the other riders, how the other teams are going to race. Um, but yeah, Donna's a very experienced DS of the junior women's team. So they'll have a, a good plan, no doubt. And it's brilliant to see that they're in great form. Uh, they race the tail end of the NRS. And uh, yeah, uh, good signs for uh, Australian cycling to have some, some fantastic juniors uh, continuing to come through. I think that should just about do us for today's podcast. Thank you for joining us. And you can join in the conversation on Twitter and Facebook. And also send us in your questions. If you've got any questions, just um, tag us in the tweet or on Facebook. And we'll be happy to answer them going forward. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us. And we'll see you around.